We are here at the One Shot Podcast. Welcome to the One Shot Podcast. We are here with Dr. Sean Pastouche. There's other uh, pronunciations you can go with, but that's what we were told. Is it's Pastouche. Give us a little background on it. because yeah. what, what, what origin? What country of origin are we talking here? It's country of origin is Poland. Okay. And my grandmother used to say Pastouche, and my dad says Pastouche. So I go with the harder ooch. Mm. And... When I went to buy Polish water ice that had liquor in it at a street festival in Washington, D.C., the woman asked me for my ID. She's like, oh, Pastuch. I said, no, actually, it's Pastuch. And she goes, uh, no, it's Pastuch. And then she started to go down the definition of it was the shepherd. It was from this village. I said, I'm, you're probably right about that, but I'm going to go with my blissful ignorance and keep saying yeah. Pastuch. You sound right. Continue with your with your enunciation. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I you love sound it. right. I'll take watermelon. And yeah, <laughs> please, two of them. Yes, yes. And Dr. Sean is the CEO and founder of Active Life. And instead of us two trying to regurgitate what you all do exactly, tell us about Active Life, what exactly you guys are doing. Yeah, so it's two companies that come together as one. And one of the companies is what we call the RX division. The RX division, RX for prescription. We help people reclaim their active lives without going to the doctor or giving up what they love to do. People are, and we do that from anywhere in the world. So people are tired of being told they're too old for it. They got to work around it. This is the best it's going to get. You have a bad back. You got to get used to living with it. Those are all stories that people are told about themselves by other people that they then start to believe are stories about themselves that they start to tell to other people. And when you're telling a story about yourself, it becomes very, very, very true. Mm -hmm. And so people typically come to us for that side of the business because they want to get out of pain. And that's it. That's all they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. What we help them think about is... You wouldn't care if you were in pain, if you were able to do all of the things that you were able to do before you were in pain. What you're really coming to us for is fear of a loss of a part of you, of something that you identify as or mm-hmm. with, and, and that's what you want help with. Mm-hmm. And so while people come in for pain remediation through exercise, what they get is a whole different shot, if you will, at life. Mm-hmm. The, the other side of our business, is teaching coaches and gym owners how to do for their clients what we do for ours. Mm. And so we call that side the professional side. What we've done there is built out, let let me backtrack a second. I don't know how much you all know about the fitness industry or the healthcare industry, but most people don't want to be a part of either. No. Right. So guys like you and me, maybe I'll go to the gym. I feel comfortable walking in. I know what to do there. I've been a trainer for almost 20 years. Most people don't go to the gym and it's not because they don't want to be healthy. It's because they are overwhelmed. They feel judged. They're not sure what to do when they get there. And most of all, believe it or not, they don't want to get in somebody else's way. Mm. We've surveyed hundreds of people and asked them, why don't you go? I don't, I just, I don't want to be in someone else's way. I feel weird. And then I just, so I just don't go. Number one reason. Now that's the people who are aware that they should go and want to be active. I'm sure there's other reasons for people who are not even putting it on their radar, Yeah. but all that to be said, the education of a fitness professional today is limited to the minimum requirements are a CPR certification and passing a test. Yep. 
Now that test could take you four hours. It could take you six months, but the general public doesn't know who's who and what they can do. So we built out an education for fitness professionals that is 13 months long, requires three to five hours of didactic work every single week, about 20 hours all in when you start applying the information and earning a living using it. We wrote an 800 page textbook. We created 18 hours of pre-recorded content, 996 test questions. And the people who come through our education, our mentorship, if you will, uh, are assigned a direct mentor who's going to meet with them one-on-one. And then they have office hours to come to every single day if they need help with a topic that we have uh, subject matter experts ready to talk to them in small groups or individually for more help than they're getting before. Hmm. The idea of that is, A, we don't want everyone who buys to graduate. Some people aren't meant to do it. Hmm. We want everyone who comes in to be capable of graduating But there are people who along the way are like, this is too hard. This is too much. I actually don't want to do this as a career. And they stop and that's okay. Well, hold on, hold on though. So you're saying that you don't lower the bar so that you can get (laughs) more people to pass your course? I'll tell you what really set this thing off, man. When I started to see companies like NASM and ISSA releasing continuing education credits for taking a social media influencer course Mm. and a glute expert course. I'm like, these are, these are not important. These are useless topics that we're giving people CEUs for. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question emphatically, uh, we, we put the bar so high that most people in the fitness industry say that's, that's, that's not, that's not a reasonable bar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's why it works. Yes. So what happened was, Coaches started to become so effective that the gym owners where they worked said, Hey, I have one coach who's making a living. Yeah. And that's the only coach getting real results. Well, they work with you. What happened? So we started educating gym owners Mm -hmm. how to build systems that attract that kind of staff. We developed that staff on their behalf. And that allows them the opportunity to start to attract the kind of member slash client who needs that kind of professional who expects to pay that kind of price. And now everybody wins. Yeah. So what's interesting is, you know, maybe an old school business entrepreneur mindset is, Hey, we're going to go create all of these gyms and we're going to own the content. We're going to own, um, we're going to own the knowledge. We're going to own, you know, all you all of your intellectual property essentially. But you're saying, listen, like, there is a mission here and there's something to do. So we're going to go now equip all these other gyms to go do it themselves and, and mm-hmm. to be successful themselves. See, I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Because again, more, more concerned with the mission than. Yeah. No, it, this is, this is phenomenal. I, I actually was in the fitness industry for about 10 years. Five He's been of waiting those to years. say that for, yeah. since you started yeah, talking. So Tyler's going to shut up the rest of the episode. Cause I'm the expert here and you and I are just have a one-on-one conversation. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's perfect. <laughs> I'm it's just good. kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but I was in the fitness industry for about 10 years. Five of those were in the commercial gym space. And mm-hmm. what you're saying could not be any more spot on because there's so many different certifications out there. One person could go get a certification. It's a two hour test. That's it. They're passed. They're a certified trainer. What you guys mm-hmm. are doing is brilliant because you're actually vetting out individuals. Like you said, everybody has capability to pass, but not everybody will pass. So who am I mm-hmm. as a, a consumer, as a client, who do I who am I going to be drawn towards? The guy that went and did a two-hour test 
or the guy that did 13 months of vigorous training. Mm-hmm. I want that guy every single time. Yeah. And so you are, you're, you, you are not taking the lazy because, and, and again, and I, and I can say this because I was a trainer it, by nature. It's a lazy, it can be a lazy profession because the barrier of entry, barrier of entry is so low. And so the mentality is this is easy because I don't have to have an education for this. I can just get in. I love doing, it. I love hanging out at the gym. You're taking it to the next level and making it a respectful in- industry. Well, Ben, what you're, what you're speaking to there is first of all, like people, most people who, not most people, plenty of people who go to medical school or law school don't end up becoming doctors or lawyers. Mm-hmm. You want the people who did. Right. And then on the other side of it, if I have a heart condition and I have the option to go get surgery from the top cardiovascular surgeon in the world or cardiothoracic surgeon in the world or the general surgeon who's done this before, mm-hmm. I'm going to the cardiothoracic guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why James Andrews became the orthopedic surgeon. He figured out a simple technique, simple, not easy, right, to change the way elbows work. And all of a sudden, this guy is the guy you go to if you have an elbow injury. Now, in the fitness industry, you ask a trainer, can you get me ready for for the field? Oh, yeah. Can you get me on stage? Definitely. Can you help me lose 20 pounds? For sure. Can you help me get jacked? Yes. Can you help me get out of back pain? Yes. One of those isn't true mm-hmm. or most of those aren't true. <laughs> yeah. And what happens, what happens at the gym level is in most gyms, the personal training department and people who go to gyms may not know this, but it's true. The personal training department is something that the owner believes they must have. It is not something they are excited to have. Most personal training departments are the agony of the owner and the management because this trainer is having sex with that member. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. trainer is on their phone all the time. This person looks sloppy. And so it's gotten to the point that many gyms actually elect to have third-party companies employ trainers and just pay them a monthly rent to put their trainers in their club and they can do whatever they want. That's how much it's become a problem for the gyms. When we come into gyms, especially corporate ones like you're describing, the biggest thing we have to overcome is the ownership saying something like, I can buy a half a million dollars worth of equipment that people are going to come and use, or I can invest in the people who run the training department with you all. Mm -hmm. But what happens if I invest in the people and then they leave the gym and they take their clients with them? Mm. The equipment isn't leaving. And the answer I give them to that is an old Henry Ford quote, which is, well, what if you don't invest in the people and they stay? Yeah. And and what's happened is, why are the people leaving? Well, the people are leaving because they don't have a financial path to, to financial freedom working in the gym in a reasonable number of hours. Right. Every hour of training is an hour and 20, an hour of 30 worth of work. So now, okay, great. What's a financial path look like? Take an apartment that would be reasonable for a trainer to live in, multiply what it costs to be there by four. That's what they got to be able to make at a minimum. Anyone with a financial advisor would tell you housing costs have to be 25% or less. Right. So let's set that up for them. Well, if we did that, we'd have to charge a lot more money. Well, why don't you charge a lot more money? Well, because nobody would pay for that. Well, why wouldn't people pay for that? Because it's not worth that. Well, why isn't it worth that? Mm. Oh, yeah. Because you didn't invest in the trainers. <laughs> so. So and around and around we go. And that's it. And so we find gym owners who are are proud to accept that 
and take action on it. Yeah. And the train the trainers who we develop, we're not teaching them to get guys field ready or on stage. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them to become an off ramp from what the standard fitness and healthcare industries are for people. Yeah. So, so tell us where this love of fitness and building this brand comes from. Let's take it back to the beginning, where you're from, what family life was like. T- tell us, let, let's build the foundation a little bit here. Back in Poland. Uh, well, yeah, back in Poland. <laughs> I was herding sheep through a valley. So I was a shepherd, right? And I used to yeah. lift them on my shoulders. So, and uh... so, so, so uh, what happened, there's a few key moments. The, the first one was I grew up in a mixed demographic town. You know, it was mostly white. So, you know, racially we were a white town, but financially there was a there was a nice demographic spread. And I was I was fortunate to be from the the upper part of the middle of that. Right? My father was a chiropractor, my uncle was a chiropractor, both of them were successful. Now, I was a good athlete in that town. What right? town are we so, talking so here? Where are we talking here? Merrick, New York. Merrick, New York. So okay. when you listen to the word Merrick, it doesn't exactly scream NFL prospects come from here. Mm-hmm. Merrick kind of rolls off the tongue like eh, kind of tough. Not really, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you know, I was one of the best athletes in my school growing up. But my school didn't have a ton of great athletes. I remember the day that I played basketball against Tabrikashaw Ferguson. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. He's a small human. Right? Yeah. yeah. I played, I played against no. him in college and I remember he put his hands on me and I stopped instantly yeah. from a full sprint. Yeah. Where did you play college ball? Uh, Fresno state. So okay. We played so against I went to Maryland. Game. Yeah. I went to Maryland and I'll, re- I'll, ne- I'll always remember rushing the field after we beat NC state in our home opener with, you know, in conference, my freshman year of college mm. and a linebacker from NC state just mushed me to the floor. Yeah. Like just <laughs> put me on the ground. I'm like, damn, these people, these are different kind of people, yeah. you know, getting in water fights with, with the, I had a lot of friends on the football, baseball and lacrosse teams in Maryland. Mm. And watching EJ Henderson fill a bucket that you drop a keg into, yeah. like you know, like the bucket you oh, put yeah. the keg into, yeah, the fifty was, gallon or whatever those are, yeah. You filled it with water and ran after somebody with it. I'm like, what is that? Like that's not. A- <laughs> yeah, he was a freak of all freaks, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. I I was never an athlete. I thought I was, but I was never an athlete. Was Vernon but Davis so, in school then when you were there? Vernon Vernon oh, Davis was there with me. Golly, yes. Talk yeah. about freaks. Yeah. That guy Gosh. when he jumped over the Florida State safety and then oh. ran over the or jumped over their linebacker and then ran through their safety. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway. Um back on track. So <laughs> I was in high, in high school, I thought I was this, this great athlete, right? And I got recruited to two Division One schools to play baseball. I turned down the scholarships, and I was like, I'm going to make the team at Maryland, and they're going to be like, this guy's the best thing we've ever seen. Why didn't we recruit him? So uh, I got cut twice from that team. Both times they said for being too small. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter how fast I threw. Didn't matter how well I threw strikes. Didn't matter how well I held runners on base. Didn't matter how well I got their, their best guys out. I was too small. Okay. So I took that to heart and I was like, I want to learn how to get jacked. I'm going to learn how to get jacked. So I did. And I decided getting jacked was not important enough to me. Right. Like I knew exactly what it would take, but I didn't want to be jacked that bad. So I started training people at the rec center at university of Maryland. And after that worked in a gym as a personal trainer, after I graduated college, because I didn't want to be a chiropractor like my dad. 
it wasn't that I didn't want to be a chiropractor like my dad. It was that I wanted pride of ownership on my own success. Mm -hmm. So I went to be a trainer at some local club, transitioned to Equinox, where I learned the business of training. That's where I worked, by the way. That's where I was. All right. Yeah. I was there well, that, five years. That's where, thing, that's where things really kind of started for me because I they had a physical therapy suite on the second floor and I would take my clients up to the second floor and I was the one working with the clients who were like the Island of Misfit Toys, the guy with frozen shoulder, the mm. guy with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, the guy with you know uh, a knee replacement. I was constantly taking clients who required me to go home and research for, for weeks mm-hmm. about what to do with them and start slow. And I would go up to the physical therapy suite and say, what do I do with this person? And they'd say, oh, I'll work around it. If it hurts, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's too old for that. And I'm like, what? This sucks. So I decided to leave the club despite being offered management positions and a full-time trainer. And I went to chiropractic school because I'm like, maybe my dad, my, maybe my dad and my uncle are onto something. So I started practicing with them and I didn't like it. I just didn't like the way that they did it. Good for them. It's not the way I wanted to do it. So I left that sort of my own clinic and my own CrossFit gym. Cause that was the barrier to entry that I could do. Mm. Right? Like I wasn't starting an Equinox for 25 million, right? but I could open a CrossFit gym on a note for hundred K. What year are we talking here on this? 2011. Okay. So I was like, I'm not going to, uh, people are not going to be told to work around it anymore. Mm-hmm. People are not going to be told we can work out differently anymore or they need to live with this anymore i'm going to be the guy who solves for that and over time that was true you know i'm I'm skipping over a lot of stuff in the middle because i think some of it's interesting some of it's not for the sake of this podcast but i got to the point that i had olympians professional baseball players rugby sevens athletes uh crossfit games athletes and champions flying in from around the world to my clinic because of the way I would treat them. Mm. I set up a three-day evaluation period where we would assess, treat, workout. Assess, treat, workout. And the workout was meant to be a part of an assessment too. How, how do you perform in the gym specifically? Not just generally speaking, how fit are you? And then we would send them home and continue to write their program for them one week at a time. Mm. That got really, really, really popular to the point of like, we had to figure out how to do it where people didn't need to fly out because I wanted to be able to help people who didn't have the means or frankly the time to fly out to New York. And I wanted to make more money and see more people figured out how to deliver it online exclusively. And then within two or three years, we had served over 10,000 people from around the world, wow. helped them get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. So coaches started asking, how do I do that? And then gym owners, like I said before, started asking, how did my coach do that? And that led us to where we are today, building out the full-blown 13-month-long curriculum that is hard to enroll in and easy to get out of. Mm-hmm. So early on, what was it about helping people? What 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 got you? Because you said I was very interested in, you know, I didn't want to just tell people to work around it. I wanted to figure out, I wanted to diagnose. I wanted to yeah. really truly get down into what was causing this. What was that about yeah. that? That, that, um, that got you? It was, it was, it was a combination of things. Uh, one of the things was ego. I think, I think frankly, anybody I shouldn't say anybody. I think most people who tell you ego had nothing to do with it are lying mm-hmm. either to you or to themselves or both. Yeah. You know, I, I had a client 
with ALS and I was going to cure it. Right. Like, I mean, I was going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it meant to even think about curing something like that. Certainly not through exercise. Like my, my mindset on how to cure this was so myopic. Like how can we exercise and eat differently so that this guy doesn't have to live with this thing or die from this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of me there was wanting to be the guy. Then the other side of it was I had a client who, and by the way, that guy taught me a lot about life. I still have a trophy that he gave to me that's sitting on my shelf over there that says uh, number one instructor and he spelled my name wrong on it, but it didn't matter, right? Like it's, it means so it, it's yeah. one of my prized yeah. possessions because yeah. Yeah. of what I was able to help him do and how important it was to him. I had another client who recently passed away as well, who was a doctor who uh, consulted with, and consulted is the wrong word. He was an advisor to the president. And he was an advisor to WADA, to USADA. Like he is, he's a big time guy. And when he came to me, I said, well, you know, he came to me as the problem person that nobody else could help. Like he, he used to just criticize everybody else he trained with and tell them what they were doing wrong. And no one wanted to train him anymore. So the manager said, go work with Sean. So he came to work with me and I asked him like, why are you doing this? Why do you care? And he was like, well, I advise the president on how people should live so they can be healthy and I'm not healthy. Mm. And so I think that needs to change. And I don't know how to do it for myself. I know how to do it for other people. I don't know how to do it for myself. Mm. So I need someone to help me do it. And this is how I want you to do it. And I said, okay, well, right. You told me you don't know how to do it for yourself and you need someone to help you with it. So I'm going to tell you how to do it. And I was this, I was like, I'm not going to take your advice on how to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I was like 27 years old, 26, whatever, what, a young idiot who just didn't know what I didn't know. So I had the balls to say this to this guy. Yeah. And I just, I felt like he was both of these guys and a lot of my clients were just being bullied by the people of authority without meaning to bully them. You know, it was too old for it, not going to get better, needs to learn how to live with it, work around it. It's not in the cards. It was all that kind of stuff. And I remember being bullied once, once when I was in middle school. And I remember how it made me feel and what I did about it. And I was like, I'm never going to let somebody else get bullied on my watch. And so that's that's kind of where it started for me. Yeah. I want to take a quick break from this episode and thank our partner, Sleep Number. Guys, we talk about it week in, week out. The importance of sleep cannot be overstated. The way it makes you feel, the way it makes you perform, and there is nobody out there in the game right now doing it better than Sleep Number. They're 360 smart beds, their technology, they're the Tesla of the sleep game. Um, that's the technical side on the personal side, because again, we talk about it all the time. I personally want to spend my money with people that I trust and that I know have good values. And that's sleep number from top to bottom, from the CEO down to the warehouse worker. They are just top notch people doing great things, uh, not only for the community, but for, um, the sleep world in general. So get yourself to a sleep number store. They're all over the place, uh, or sleepnumber.com. Go check out all their, uh, their products and, and things like that. Uh, and now back to the episode. I love that. I, so question are how early on in the gym, how much of your client population 
were those individuals, I mean, yeah, you sounded like you had some elite athletes, so they were thinking that way. But as opposed to being reactive to some injuries or sort illnesses or ailments that they have, how many of them were concerned with, hey, look, I want to maximize life. Like, I'm, I don't necessarily have any issues right now, but I want to continue on this pace so that, like, I'm not 65 and sedentary and I've just, I can't do anything. Like, I want to make mm -hmm. sure that I'm active at 85, 90, 95. Yeah. So then almost none. Okay. Now, many. Okay. The reason why it was almost none back then is because I only knew how to do, I only knew how to talk about mm. certain things in certain ways. You know, I hired a, a mentor in 2016 after some really low points in my life emotionally mm. who helped me understand that if I wanted to be more successful, I had to become a better person. Mm. And when I learned that, it allowed me to start thinking about what other people might want in ways that I wasn't able to think about before. You know, before it was like, if you're not hurt, like, why would you do anything like this? Yeah. And so I was really good at what I did. And so it worked to get clients to talk about what they wanted to avoid instead of talking about what they wanted to chase. Now I I'd like to believe that I'm, I'm much more mature, much more skilled, uh, and I'm able to communicate with both. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think I think that there's a, we're at the start of a revolution um, of people starting to think that way, right? Starting to think about possibilities beyond what the status quo is. Of hey, seventy five, like you gotta shut it down. I mean, you you just can't do it anymore. Like the peak of life no longer is thirty five to forty five. Mm -hmm. I say peak. I mean peak really let's be honest is 18 to 25 but um but you know you know physically yeah and, and so now there's this there's this i i feel like a pursuit of like hey i want to be like i work out with a guy at a crossfit gym and, and he's like at, on my 50th birthday i want to be in the best shape of my entire life like mm -hmm. better than 18 better than 25 I just feel like there's a mindset that is shifting. I'm not saying overall population because obviously the statistics show us we're unhealthier as a country than ever, but I do feel like there is a population and like I said, the start of a revolution to think, okay, I'm starting to think of forward a little bit now. I would, I would agree with you amongst the people who are already aware. Okay. And, and so, so, what I'm describing there is, you know, 20% of people have a membership to a gym. Mm. Less than 10% aggregate, so 50% of them use it. Mm. And so the question is, why? And what is everybody else doing? And I think that when we look at the 10% who use their gym membership, if we really mine down mm -hmm. and we ask how many people are thinking that way of that 10%, I think we'd probably find another 10%. Yeah. or so, which yeah. means maybe 1% of people are thinking the way that you're describing. And I would have to, I'm led, uh, I'm inclined to believe you think that way. Mm -hmm. And so the people in your sphere think that way. And so you're surrounded by people on a regular basis who think that way, which influences you to believe that more people are thinking that way, yeah. which would no. be cool if it's true. Yeah. What I would say to that 50 year old in your CrossFit gym is what do you mean by in shape? What is fitness? How do you decide if you're more fit than you were a year ago? 
because he, the he way bench, that cost- he benches more and he can do more muscle ups. That's pretty much <laughs> right, it. But, I'm just and, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm just that's kidding. fine. But so 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 it comes down to, you know, CrossFit's. I, I had a lot of my life in CrossFit. What I like to say is the fittest person in the world is the fittest person in the world because they don't need any more of anything. And that doesn't mean strength. It means strength, stamina, emotional well-being, mm-hmm. you know, freedom of thought. It's 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 all of that mm-hmm. has to fit into our health and fitness. Otherwise, it's 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 too narrow in my belief. Yeah. yeah. So what's your opinion? And, and maybe you have stats and data to back this up. But where is the disconnect? Because you said it. We, we know more than ever about fitness. And yet we're as unhealthy as we've ever been. Where is it simply the human psychological, you know, mentality of it's not a problem today so i'll worry about it later can it be boiled down to that what where is this coming from where's the disconnect i i don't so i think there's a lot of factors that go into this the simplest way to boil it down is i believe that in order for someone to take any action whatsoever someone's going to take an action two things must be true the results of that action must be worth it and the likelihood of achieving those results must be high. Mm-hmm. Right. If I say to you, jump off that building, I'll give you $10 million. You're like, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Why would I want $10 million to jump off this building? Well, here, I'm going to tether you to this guy who's a professional base jumper. The parachute's going to explode before, you know, it's going to, it's going to open up. There's also a landing mat down there that stunt, that stunt people jump onto like you're safe. And it's 10 million. If you jump, you're scared, but you probably jump. Yeah. I think that most people today do not see the likelihood of success being high when they take action. Mm. Another thing is when we look at corporate wellness plans, I don't know how familiar you all are with corporate wellness plans, but most of the time they're a fitness and a nutrition offering. No, so you, a company, ran, he ran our, he knows he ran our corporate well, wellness plan. Very, very, yeah. I took a class in college about it and then I did it for a year for our company. So very, yeah. very rudimentary knowledge about but it. But so, so, so generally speaking, corporate wellness is nutrition mm-hmm. and fitness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is that why people aren't well? Mm-mm. Because they don't have access to fitness or nutrition. Oh, hell no. What no. happens is you look at a company, there's 20,000 people in the company, 10,000 people, 50,000 or whatever it is. And there's Mark in accounting, let's just say, I'm making up the department in whatever. And he's 350 pounds. And his marriage isn't ideal. And he's not making the kind of money he wants to make. And he's digging out of a little bit of financial debt and he's stressed. And so he gets home from work and his wife is probably similar. And so now you say, Mark, why don't you just eat the salad? Like the app says, if you eat a salad instead of that, you'll be better. And he's like, I'm not looking at the app, right? That's first of all. Second of all, Mark doesn't need, he's not ready for food and exercise yet. He needs someone to help him understand how to make the money he's making go further so he doesn't need to be so stressed about his money. That's the primary concern right now. When he's no longer so stressed about his money, we can start talking about how's your relationship and how are you? Because now he's not thinking about this this alarm bell that's constantly going off that is I'm paycheck to paycheck. So now all of a sudden he's not paycheck to paycheck anymore. Now we can start to focus on Mark's mental health. Mark's mental health starts to get better. He starts to value himself differently. He starts to see people around him who aren't valuing themselves the way he'd like them to because he thinks they're worth more. 
So he starts influencing them. Now we can talk to Mark about his marriage. How do we make you and your partner partners? Then it becomes, why don't you guys go for a walk together and have that conversation? Then he starts to value his health in a different way. And he starts looking for ways he can become more healthy. Now we can start to talk about different food choices. And we can say, look, you can eat all the Oreos that you want, Mark. You just can't have them in the house or at your work. So when you want Oreos, you have to go to the grocery store, buy a full bag, eat as many as you want, and then throw the rest out. But what that means is you're going to get up, take off your pajamas, get in your car, in the rain, go to the grocery store just to buy Oreos. You're going to eat two or three because really you're not, you don't want a whole box, right? You just want the sensation and you care about yourself now and your relationships and you're going to throw the box out. How often is Mark now going to eat Oreos? Far less often. Well, now Mark's going to be like, hey, I'm starting to feel pretty good. I have pretty good energy. What should I do with it? How about this workout? That sounds good. Corporate wellness is, is a microcosm to me of the problems that we have societally. We try to solve the symptoms mm. when the root cause mm. is not there. Mm. And yeah. so now what happens is the fitness industry, the medical industry, we get to say those people and point our finger, just don't make it a priority. That's why they're sick and unhealthy. When the reality is they don't make it a priority because we haven't helped them understand how to or why they should because they have these other problems that for good reason are more priority to them than that. Mm. Gosh. So, so yeah. So we, we also like to paint with a broad brush and what you're doing mm -hmm. is you're taking individuals and their personal uh, situations and you're digging down deep. When did psychology become such a big part of what you do? When, when I, when I realized I had one shot, <sighs> Boom. So, so well done there. <laughs> when, when, when I had my, when I had the mentor in 2016, it was right after I had my, I had, I was owning three businesses at the time and none of them were making any money. I was working 17 hour days, making less than $30,000 a year. Mm. And thank God I was married to a teacher who could pay our bills. Mm. Right. And she was putting money aside for us to one day buy a house. And I was running an event. And the event lost, I don't remember exactly if it was twenty-six dollars or $27,000. And I was young, I had no idea how to run a company, so I had no working capital. I had a partner, and I was responsible for half of that loss. So I came home completely emasculated. I had a one-year-old daughter at home. I had my wife, walked into our 600-square-foot apartment, crying, right, like a child, and told my wife I lost 13000 of the $15,000 that she saved for us and asked for forgiveness. Wow. And she gave it to me. You know, she gave me a hug. She told me, like, when we got married, you told me you were my penny stock, and I believe in you. <laughs> and, and that was the first time I failed in a way that made me feel ashamed because I damaged somebody who I cared about very much. And so I hired a mentor who I couldn't afford. It was a thousand dollars a month and I had to change some things in the business and get rid of some things that I thought were important so that I could allocate it to this guy. And he was the third mentor I'd ever hired. And he was the first one who ever told me the truth. The other two gave me tactics to be successful in business, run this ad, change this pricing. This guy said, if you want to be more successful, you have to become a better person. And I said, 
I'm, I treat everybody the way I want to be treated. Isn't that the thing? He's like, I know you do. And the reason I accepted working with you is because I see you do that. The problem is that you're a fucking psychopath. And most people don't want to be treated like a fucking psychopath. And that's how you're treating them. And I said, well, how am I supposed to treat people then? And he goes, well, you should treat people how they want to be treated. And so I said, well, how will I know how people want to be treated? He said, you need to ask. I said, how do I ask? He said, now you're asking better questions. <laughs> and so that's when I started to learn how to ask better questions. I feel like we had the people. same mentor, by the way. Maybe we did. His name was Dirk. No, no, no. Maybe no, he was well, mentor. Yeah. He's, my guy's out of New York, too. Yeah. So uh, well, no. anyways, anyways. So that set me on a path to identifying all of the people to whom I had communicated with poorly mm. because I thought I was treating them how I wanted to be treated. Yeah. Started with my wife. I didn't wear a wedding ring because I worked out a lot. I was treating patients with my hands. I was like, I don't need a wedding ring. She knows I love her. She knows I care about her. I don't need to wear a wedding ring to prove it. So I came home and I apologized to her. Like, I'm sorry. I. She's like, for what? I'm like, I don't wear a wedding ring. She's like, why are you apologizing? I know you don't wear a wedding ring. I'm like, because I know it's important to you. And I've been making this selfish decision not to wear it because I don't think it's important. But it is important because it lets you know that I'm proud to be married to you. It lets everybody else in the world know that I'm proud to be married to you. And I want you to know that I'm proud to be married to you without having to tell you every day. And I will tell you every day. And I went and bought a wedding ring. And that started me on two years of over 40 apologies to people in my life, working up to the most difficult ones, which were the people who I thought had wronged me for their own personal gain and finding something that I may have done to have dropped a match into a dry forest that ended up burning down a whole town and apologizing for dropping the match. Wow. There's a lot. There's I was going to say, like, I... <laughs> I am so glad this conversation went this direction. It was different than I had anticipated, um, you know, leading up to this call. But one thing that I do, I know that Ben and I are passionate about is this whole self, right? Is, is understanding you can't be healthy, just as you described, is you can't be healthy without all the parts being healthy. And, and that's exactly what you're describing. Now, my question is, is, how do you how do you dig into this? I mean, you have limited time. You have a number of clients, and obviously, you've got a team, and that's obviously what your train. Sounds like this is a component of what your training regimen is for the professional side. But uh, I mean, how do you how do you get to this level with each and every client? Great question. Um, right now, we are not an investable company because we do things in an unscalable way, and so. An example of that is simple, right? So, so it's in our training to teach people how to look for the things to ask. And we tell people after they've enrolled and after they have the moment where they're like, I don't know why I'm buying an engagement ring for the woman I love and telling it to this group, but I feel like this is where it came from. We tell them we're a personal development company disguised as a fitness and business company. Yeah. And you're now stumbling onto that. So the way that we, I'll give you a simple example. 
somebody comes into most gyms to work with most trainers and they say, why are you here? And that person says, oh man, I just, I need a place to blow off steam, right? I'm like 15, 20 pounds overweight. I'd like to lose that. But more than anything, I work, I work really hard, a little bit stressed at home. I got three kids. I need a place to blow it off. And the gym owner says, or the coach says, awesome. You're in the right spot. And I'd argue that they're right. So what we would teach a coach to do is to say to that same person, awesome. You're in the right spot. May I ask you a question? Yes. Why do you think you're so stressed all the time? And that one little question after the first answer is only something you can ask if you know what to do with the answer. Mm -hmm. And so we're preparing them to know what to do with the answer down to, and especially including having a network of people they can refer to on a regular basis. So that person might say something like, oh, my wife just doesn't understand. You know, I, I work so hard. I provide for the family. She's at home with the kids. And then I come home late from work and I want to go out and play ball. And she gives me a hard time. Like she just doesn't get it. So I need, like she gets the gym. So I just told her I'm going to the gym. I have someone I think would be really valuable for you to speak with. And I'd like to connect you with them. They might be able to help you have a better conversation with your wife about that so that you can play ball too. Are you open to that conversation? Yes. Introduction. That's, that's not a part of what we do. That's core of what we do. Oh, see, so I that's how that. we dig down. I love, I love that. that. I am curious, you know, back to, back to that part of your life where you were, you know, felt like you were failing and, and your wife was supporting you. We are in the commercial real estate industry and the first few years are tough. It's, it's not making a lot of, it's like any business, right? You're not making a lot of mm -hmm. money. You're not really sure what you're doing. You don't know a whole lot. You're curious. Is, is this the right industry for me? For you, how did you know at that time, okay, this is a path I need to continue down. Mm -hmm. It's going to work out eventually. I just need to keep going versus I need to pivot, do something else. This isn't working. How did you make that decision? I'll let you know when I find out. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't know. I don't know. What I will say is this. When I was when I was young and dogged and going from, you know, $30,000 years to, to multi-million dollar years, what it was that got me that kept me in it was I might fail in the micro, but I succeed in the macro. That is who I am. And so the belief that that is who I am carried me through a lot of that. When it comes to now, why stick it out? I got a question recently from someone who was like, dude, if you took your skill set and dropped it into any other business and just about any other business, you get paid millions of dollars a year for much easier work. Mm. Why are you doing what you're doing? At the end of the day, for me, it comes down to it's important enough. And I'm going to make millions of dollars a year doing this. And it's going to have an impact. Mm -hmm. That's why. I can't imagine going into a company that you know, moves money from place to place and trying to build culture there. So the people moving money from place to place could live better lives. Like sure. But at the end of the day, they're just moving money from place to place. That's not inspiring to me. And 
I, I think a lot about legacy. I think a lot about um, how how my kids look at me and think about me, how my wife looks at me and thinks about me, how people in this town look at me and think about me, how I look at me and think about me. And I want to do something really meaningful that, that no one's ever done before. Well, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is there's, there's your scalable uh, avenue for your, for your business, just bringing mm-hmm. a, bringing a couple good people and uh, implementing it into different industries, right? Let, let them do that. You coach them. And I mean, yeah. the corporate wellness space, I mean, that is, that is very intriguing. And that is it, to me, that's something that what you're describing fits perfect. And there's a huge need for that because right now it's all reactive. It's all okay. I mean, think about how much companies are paying for workers compensation right now. I mean, oh, it's crazy. It's insane. And so if you, if you have a legitimate wellness and, and, and the wellness that, that you describe, not, not this wellness, like, Hey, we're going to give you a, a, a nutrition app. plan and here's an app. And then, you know, we're going to monitor your steps and we're going to whatever, right. All the BS, but like truly digging in and making sure that the, your people are well top to bottom. Well, so I have a, a mentor now. I will always have a mentor. My mentor now is, has become a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. and he launched a corporate wellness company that does exactly what we just described. They solve the fitness, the mental, I mean, the, excuse me, the financial, the mental health, the relationship health, the fitness health, the medical health, and the nutrition health in whatever order you need it solved. Mm-hmm. And they did it in Canada as a beta test and demonstrated massive, massive success to the point that a health insurance company bought it from them. So now we want to roll the same thing out in the U S together. The hardest part of doing that is that the business owner will not see a return in year one and probably not in year two that will be exciting for them. It is when you've been doing this for two, three, four, five years and beyond that it not only improves the money you're spending, but it improves R&R, recruitment and retention for the company. It improves culture in the company. And you were talking about workers' comp. The biggest thing that business owners are actually concerned about who own large enough companies or who are on the board of large enough companies is what's called a laser. So when they're self-insured, a laser means my max out of pocket for Tyler or Ben is $50,000. So you get in a car accident, you need massive surgeries, 50 grand, and then Blue Cross kicks in the rest. But- Mark, who we talked about earlier, he's 350,000 and he's way more likely to have to use a lot of it. So they want to reduce the number of people in their organization who are on lasers and 20% of the organization spends 80% of the money on, on healthcare. And the way that we would do it, if a company in the United States wants to go for it is by supporting those 20%, not the other 80. Yeah. You talk about recruiting and retainment. Imagine being able to say as an employee, my company helped me change my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not I'll, just I'll a place you- I go work. Like my company actually helped me change my life. Well, so so here's a simple way to start thinking about that. If you're listening to this and you're a CEO or a CMO or a COO, who, whatever, you're someone in the C-suite who has the ability to make these decisions. Who's the last person you made employee of the month or employee of the week, whatever you do? Are they living 
a life that you want all of your employees to live, or are they living a life that is sacrificed for the sake of your company? If you start celebrating people who live the life that you want your company to be able to offer to them, then people in the company will pursue that life. And then you become a place where people are actually able to say, my work changed my life instead of my work took my life. Ah, that's good. I love that. Gosh, I love that. So I I, I just have a, generationally speaking, we live in and have lived in for arguably 60, 70 years, a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, Mm -hmm. How much... And is does it apply to your clientele that you work with? Uh, but how much is it people avoid this just because they want to avoid discomfort? I don't think anybody avoids discomfort. I, th- I mean, I think we choose comfort. Mm-hmm. So, so let, 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 me, let me nuance it for you. I don't think anybody pursues the discomfort that I think you're describing. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so what, what I'm describing here is, it's uncomfortable to go to the gym until it's more comfortable to go to the gym than it is to not. Yes. The person who today is avoiding these things for lack of a better way to describe it, um, does not understand the value of it because to them, the pursuit of that is more uncomfortable than the pursuit that they're currently in. Where if they understood, how am I going to do it? What will the reward be? How will I know if it's working or not? How will I pivot if it's not working? All of a sudden, that reward becomes far more likely and far more reasonable. And it becomes more uncomfortable not to pursue it. Yeah. And then we start pursuing it. You guys are business people who have fitness and health backgrounds, right? Like you, at least it was a part of your life. For you, it would be uncomfortable to just exist. You have to grow. It, it it's not a choice. Yeah. For a lot of people, the thought of growing is uncomfortable. Yeah. So we're all avoiding the thing that is more uncomfortable at all times. But what is more uncomfortable is is a result of our education and our experience. Mm-hmm. No, that's well said. How, how do you shut the voice off? If you do have this voice, how do you shut the voice off that says the problem's too big? I can only make a small difference. This isn't worth it. I have two versions of me. One of them sits on this shoulder. The other one sits on this shoulder. This one says, um, it's too big. Stop doing that. What are you trying to accomplish? Like, who do you think you are? This one says, shut up, bitch. Go. <laughs> and usually I listen to this one. There you go. There you go. How did you get to that place where you listen to the, you, you shut that bitch voice up? I, I have, um, I have learned how to take the chip that is on my shoulder and use it to help people instead of using it to destroy people. Well, hold on. So, so you're telling me that it all goes back to serving others. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. You know, I, I was in, the, I, I gave a keynote at an event recently and in a Q and a after someone else's keynote, actually, this person asked, he said this, he said, I have, if you think of my business as a video game, I've beat all the bosses, right? Like I do a million dollars a year. Now I beat all the bosses. How do I stay hungry when I beat all the bosses? And 
Tom Bilyeu was the gentleman answering the question. It was after his keynote. He gave the perfect answer, and I had just whispered something similar into my wife's ear. I said to my wife, I said, those are, those are your bosses. And he said out loud, he said, if you're running your business for you to make as much money as you can to build your ego, there are no bosses left. But if you're running your business for other people to help them, there's always another boss. Mm. And it, it, it was, it was so true. Yeah. yeah. You can't, I don't know how I would ever be able to do something meaningful of magnitude for me. Yeah, that's, a, that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's a running joke on this podcast. We've we've interviewed and, and had conversations with probably mm. 150 people on this podcast at some point. And it always literally I'm humble not, brag. I'm not being <laughs> being uh what, what's the word? Um this is an exaggeration. Yeah, this is an exaggeration. Like it always leads back to serving other people. That's what everybody credits. Either they credit their success to that or they say that's where I ended up finding my most joy and most happiness. I mean, it always ends up coming back. Well, and, and again, it's very well. It's not easy, but it is. It is secret and to let yourself down. It you don't have to blast it publicly, right? You it's only between you and yourself, and so it's a whole lot easier to let yourself down than it is to let somebody else down. And and I love both. I mean, both your points. It's it's when you are serving others, your mission becomes bigger and it becomes endless because there's always more people to serve. There's always more impact to make. There's always more change to invoke. And so, again, if it's just yourself, like for me, if if I just was like, okay, Tyler, go do what you want to do. It's like I'd be on a ranch in Montana by myself and wouldn't need anybody, and I'd be totally happy. But yeah. I love my wife and my kids much more than I love myself. And there are things that, that I want to do because of them. I, the task itself I may not love doing, but I love doing it because it will result in serving them. And again, you talk about you know community and you talk about you know people in need and all that. Like That's a whole other level. But, but again, it's so easy to let yourself down because it's like nobody's going to know. It's just between you and me. So, first of all, it'd have to be the Dutton Ranch to get me to go live in, in Montana full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, working. I'm working on uh, getting that conservation easement lifted so I can take that from him. So, there you go. Anyways. There you go. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, so serving people has has levels to it that I didn't understand until that mentor started to teach me, and my most recent mentor has taught me even more deeply. I was at a place, and I, I think a lot of people will relate to this if they listen to what you just said and they're saying to themselves, but I do serve people, Tyler, like, and I'm good at it, and I care about them a lot, and I don't know why I'm not getting the growth that you guys keep talking about, and it's really frustrating for me to hear you say, serve other people, that's where all the growth comes from, when that's what I'm doing. I know people listening to this right now are going to be thinking that, and I want to yes. share this with you. I was there too, and I'm there every day right now it's it, that feeling does not go away i imagine right now you guys are both like we're doing well why aren't we doing better yeah for me it's we're doing well why aren't we doing better and it goes back to how are you serving people it, the way you're doing is direct reflection of that and there are people who are outliers who do not serve other people who are really good 
at making it seem as though they do and pulling money out of people's pockets who you're like, but that person doesn't serve anybody and they're doing it. Why can't I do it when I am serving people? They have a God-given talent to be someone that you don't want to be. Yeah. Let that, that go. <laughs> so you're, you're, Serving of people for me, my serving of people started with communication. I was poorly serving them in communication I had with them. That year, that mentor taught me nothing about business. And it was the first year I went from making $30,000 to $100,000 in a year. And I cut my hours in half. First year that ever happened. And I didn't learn anything about business. So I was serving the people around me better communicatively. Then it just keeps leveling up. Part of what I need to be able to do now to serve people is better articulate my message. I need to get on more podcasts like this, more stages like the one I was just on and give away my best stuff so that people can say, I don't need to work with that guy if I don't want to. I got what he, what he has to offer. I want to take a quick break from the episode and thank one of our partners, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, Choctaw, we've been talking about for almost two years now, uh, about just how they're different. Um, they are 100% uh, experience-driven. And whether you're looking to get away with your significant other, uh, just get away and unplug, whether you're looking to go catch a game, whether you're looking to go catch a world-class concert or just get a great meal, Choctaw has it all. Uh, as we roll into spring and summer, uh, the the resort-style pool, swim-up bar, they've got a kid's pool. Uh, it the entire family has something. Uh, and it's just an incredible, incredible place that you never would think is so close to Dallas. Uh, so just remember, quick drive up 75 in Durant, Oklahoma, Choctaw Casino and Resort. You can check them out. Check out their schedule of shows, uh, list of restaurants, and just opportunities uh, just to have an, an incredible experience while there at ChoctawCasinos.com. Awesome. And be okay with that. I'm great with it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I we're, love that. T Tyler, we're one of the things that's made me feel skeezy for a long time is I'm in an industry, you know, health, fitness, business, disguised, right? Yeah. It's personal development, but all of that. No one thinks they need personal development. They all think they need money and fitness. So we'll sell them that and then give them the other one to achieve it. Mm -hmm. Where, I get to say, and it's true, you don't need to buy anything from us because all my best stuff is online for free. And it's true, and I hate saying it, because I've put so much content into the world, thousands of videos, over 400 podcasts, three Instagram accounts with God knows how many posts, blog articles, a book. How are you supposed to codify that? It's unreasonable to ask you to do that. So we're actually it's launched, it's just hiding in plain sight, launching an app that is going to give people access to all of our best stuff for free. The first mm. codified. So instead of having to go through 400 podcasts, it's what kind of a podcast are you looking for? These are the ones about marketing. These are the ones about sales. These are the ones about communication. These are the ones about client service. These are the ones about personal boundaries. These are the ones about getting out of pain. They're going to be listed in a way that makes it easy for you to use course content that is when we work with a client we make them educate themselves we provide them i'm talking about the i want to get out of pain yeah. mm -hmm. they have course content because the first thing that someone 
would acknowledge is you've told a massage therapist that hurts and they said, should I stop? And you say, no, it's the good pain. Well, what's the good pain in exercise? Because you're acknowledging in the massage table that you need more of that. Well, you might need more of that in the gym too. So what does it look like? So we're codifying all of that stuff so that no one has an excuse Mm -hmm. who wants to find it. Myself, especially because if someone says, Hey, trying to do this, going through your content, can't find it. I have to add it. And what did you say this app's called? Active Life Community. And it's and it's launched. It's out there. It's launched. It's out there. It's ugly as hell right now. So <laughs> if you go find it and download it, it's it's ugly. But you can find it and download it. Active and the next community. thing, the next thing people will say is, sure, but that's just a marketing tool for him. He collects emails and he shoots us an email. The first question is, do you want to be added to our marketing list? <laughs> and you can get in without saying yes. Love it. Really? You don't, yes. you don't, they don't have to put in their information, their insurance number, and then you'll respond back with a quote. One of those things. <laughs> name, phone number, mom's <laughs> email. Yeah. 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 Oh, Mother's maiden name. <laughs> that, that, First street me, you lived that, on. That was, that was the hardest pill for me to swallow yeah. was to be in integrity with what I was saying that it was. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, we're going to, we're partnering with some fairly big companies on this where they're going to provide education too. And, tell their people to come. Mm-hmm. We could pull half a million emails like that if we don't give them a choice. Yeah. And I was like, but then you're not giving them without asking for anything in return. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow myself. See, the, the, from the second you jumped on and all the way through describing the foundation of your business, the core of your business and the mission. The one thing that right now screams to me, which is the most attractive trait that I think is out there is authenticity. I think you guys authentically care. You authentically want to make an impact. You authentically want to serve. And this is one way of just proving that like, listen, like our mission is to make happier, healthier, more productive, people out there. And here's, look, yes, we would love to grab your, grab your email or grab your information because then we can communicate with you. But most important, that does not override the mission in giving you resources to help yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and see, I love that. And the authenticity and you talk about, yeah, you know, this is a marketing play. Well, isn't everything that we do marketing ourselves? Isn't mm-hmm. every interaction that we have with someone marketing ourselves? So yeah. why not be authentic about it? Provide a service. Look, we're going to put it either you want it or you don't. You want to enlist in our marketing or not. It doesn't matter, but here's who we are. And I love that. Yeah. And that is that to me, we need more businesses out there, more worried about that than more wor- than and less worried about overall bottom line and margins. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I think that's the, fa- you know, look, I think that's the most sustainable way to bottom line on margins. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And you talked about your mentor and it's funny that you say that my mentor two years, I'm like, I come from a background where it's, Hey, show up at this time, do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is how you operate. This is how you communicate, show up. Like, okay, you gotta be here. You gotta be here at six. What? Six Oh three. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Hey, I, I used to be fined. So uh, I used to have nightmares about being late. And then when I didn't. And now you just throw your middle finger to the clock. Hey, you know what, man? I put in my time. <laughs> but Sorry, I was told fine. exactly where to be, what to do, how to do it. And I was I, coming out and the transition from being a professional athlete to, you know, being in the professional space, the not athletic space was it was hard because I just wanted someone to tell me what to do and how to do it. And I was starving for that. And honestly, and it took me, it took me a long, a year probably. And I was just like, please, like my mentor's name's Mario. And I was like, Mario, just tell me, please, like, tell me how to, how to make more money because like, I'm, I'm running out of savings from my career. Like I'm starting to stress mm -hmm. here and my marriage is being affected and all these things. And we never talked about business ever. Never talked about business. And he is a very successful executive, like very successful executive. And we all we talked about was who I was as a person mm -hmm. and how to think. And it had nothing to do. And it's just, it's crazy. But you talk about those, those things that we talked about a few minutes ago are the route to sustainable margins and profit and all that. Because that's what's important is who you are, how you treat people, how you communicate with people. All of those things, that is what ultimately leads to it. And again, without no, even knowing it, I went from making, what, five figures to multiple six figures. Like oh, like that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, he, he never told me anything about business. It was mm -hmm. all about who I was as a person. People, I, I fall into this. We all look at the companies who we want to be like. I said, how do I get what they have? Well, let's look at what they did. They started 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and and they've and they've consistently done the same thing for 50 years. Do you want what they had 49 10 years, years into ago? Business ownership, yeah. 49 years ago, right? Or or today. Yeah. Today. Okay, good. Well then do what they did for 50 years. Yeah. What's, and what's it's it? it sucks. It sucks, right? Because I will not be the guy who gets to enjoy the easy path at active life. Mm. I will, I, I do not get to be the guy who gets to come into a job for a few million bucks a year, to steal to steer the ship. That's that. I have to earn that from, from scraping shit. Yeah. Somebody, somebody one day will get the opportunity to be like, oh, I'm the CMO at active life. And so I'm on your stage top. They didn't build it. Yeah. Right. The person who built it doesn't always get that opportunity for most of their life. I'm at peace with that. That's yeah. Good. I love that. Yeah, what's the saying? The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time. Yeah. Is, second best time is yesterday. Yeah. Or today. Yeah. Well, the, but the other side of that is not everybody is cut out to plant trees. No, no doubt. So, some people should prune someone else's tree. Yeah. And <sighs> take pride in how great it looks. Thank you. Thank you. That's a conversation we have. I have all the time is, also recognize recognize your strengths recognize your potential recognize your passion and it yes like it must be nice to be the ceo or a business owner or you know this but guess what like you may be the person like you said that is cutting lawns that is now there's no ceiling on that either there's no ceiling nope. on being the best tree pruner on the planet there's no 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 downside of being the guy that literally cuts the straightest edge on on your grass next to your curb. But be the best at it and grow that. Like you don't have to be, for this world to function, not everybody can be entrepreneurs. 
for this right. world to function. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. What, what, what I what I was getting at with that is, I think that a lot of people miss what it is that being the business owner at any kind of scale looks like. In the beginning, you're thinking, how do I put enough money into my bank that I can afford to live where I'm living right now or in a better house mm. with these people or with new people, whatever. And when you get there, now what happens is you have to make a decision. Do I want to be responsible for that opportunity for everybody who works in my company? Mm. And so now when I go to bed at night, I don't worry that I'm going to make enough money for me. Mm. I worry that I'm going to make enough money for everybody. Yeah. That is it. My job is no longer to build the house of Sean. It's now to make sure that everybody who contributes to the house of Sean, which is active life, mm. is able to build houses for themselves that they're proud to live in. Yeah. And when I say house, I'm being proverbial about the life they get to build. Yeah. Mm. I love that. I love it. I Man, love this, it. this has been awesome. Uh, I, you know, learn like i said i didn't know where this was going to go just yeah. just based on your your you know what we did the, the research we did on you uh i do want to wrap it up with this uh on your bio on your website it says if we ever meet please ask me a hard question uh mm -hmm. we've got a couple of hard questions for you here yeah to, to to finish this off and wrap this up mm -hmm. uh first and foremost do you pour your cereal first then your milk or your milk first and then your cereal Dude, I'm a grown-up. I don't need cereal anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if I did, it would definitely be cereal first, then milk. Okay, yeah. so this has been a question I've this heard recently. Like, what psychopath that's, pours milk first? That's the best That's the best word for it. You're a psychopath if you pour your milk first. I, I've no, literally it's, it's, never they're, seen that. They're, you're a mouth breather. It's the same people who walk around breathing through their mouth. Pour the milk first. Because they're makes not zero thinking sense. about it. Here's yeah. another one I never heard of in my life. We actually are having this de debate at our office about the cereal. And, uh, and one of our bosses said, do you put both socks on first before you put on your shoes? Or do you put well, a you sock and then a shoe and then a sock and then a shoe? Well, you, you worked at Equinox. Have you been in the locker room? That's true. Yeah. Someone needs, someone needs to tell those guys, you put your underwear on oh. before your jacket. It's always the 80-year-old that's walking around with just, just nuts hanging. No, no clothes. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> just no just, care. I've, I've, I've had people throw their foot up on a bench and use a hair dryer. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That. Okay, so thank you. That. Literally, so I, when I was training, when I was, I was out of football for about a year and a half, and I was training – in Fresno, where, I, where I'm from, and we went to this gym. It was it was a converted racquetball club. So think about the demographic that goes to a racquet club, right? Mm -hmm. And we when we'd walk into the locker room, you'd walk in, and then you'd take a right by the sink, and then you'd walk in where the locker's like, and then a left. <laughs> we used to, if you ever been to restaurants where like servers, they'll walk, walk out with the tray, and they're like, corner, like to let somebody know yep. they're coming around the corner. So my buddy got a handful of old man junk one time. Like literally turns a corner, just a handful of it, oh, right? Oh no! And because dude had his foot up on on the counter where the sinks at, <laughs> blow drying his his junk and his gooch, and literally, literally. So me. we have to walk in and be like, corner, make sure he didn't <laughs> touch any man parts. I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't start doing that at home after I saw the old man doing it. Equinox. Just it feels nice. Those dudes I, have it, wisdom. This must be wise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do. We, I, I really do have a a couple of serious questions and more on the Go personal side. Uh, number one, what are some core, you mentioned kids. What are some core principles you hope to pass along to your kids? Yeah. 
core principles to pass along to my kids is first and foremost, know who you are. Mm. Above everything else, know who you are. Know that the only person that you need to get approval from is you. And you need to be able to look really hard at whether you actually approve of what you did or not. Mm. Um, and who you are or not. Another core principle that I put into our kids is you can learn anything. Mm. You don't have to know it today. If it's important, learn it. You can, you can learn anything. Um, and an, another core principle, I've never thought of them as core principles, but another core principle would be you, you can recover, mm. you know, it, nothing's permanent except what's permanent. Yeah. And, and, and we get, and we get to decide how we experience that permanence when it is. So, you know, you can recover from this, your, whatever it is, like your body might not recover from this. I, I God forbid. Right. But you can. Yeah. And so it, it, that's, that's critical to understand. And finally, the last thing they're young. So it's really hard to, to instill these things in them. Now it's more through just the way that my wife and I communicate with them and the way that we treat them is it's not about you. And it's always your responsibility. That person did not do that because they wanted to make you feel bad. That person cannot make you feel anything that's your choice. And it's your responsibility to figure out what did you do or not do that may have led that person to doing what they did. Mm. And how could you do it differently if you wanted next time? I'll give you a simple example of that one. Uh, a kid told my daughter, Hey, I invited you to my birthday party, but only because my mommy told me I had to, I didn't want to invite you. My daughter came home upset. Mm. I said, okay, what is a friend? And she's like, a friend is somebody who likes you. Said, That's not what a friend is. What is a friend? She's like, I don't know. I said, a friend is somebody you can count on. Mm. Now, what does it mean to count on somebody? She said, they'll help you when you need help. I said, that's that's what, that's a good way to think of it. She's she's seven at the time. So that's a good way to think of it. If this person, whose name I won't name because their parents might listen to stuff that I, I do, and that's okay, um, was if, if you needed this person for something, do you think you could count on them? She said, no, probably not because they're they're mean to me sometimes and this and this is a great. So is that a friend? She said, no. I said, that's somebody who you know. If that person wants to be your friend, this is the kind of stuff that they need to be able to show you. Here's how you can talk to her about how, how you felt about this. And to her credit, she went into school and she told her, like, you know, she felt sad that she she wasn't invited or that, that she didn't want to invite her and that she'd like to be her friend. That's like, that's, that's all I can ask of a seven-year-old. Yeah. But I'm my aim. I have three daughters and I have a, a team member here who actually instilled something really valuable in me. When I found out I was having a third daughter, I started taking mixed martial arts. I'm like I'm not going to get beat up by a 16 year old. And those, those girls are going to know that daddy can protect them. Mm. He's like, why not just make sure they can protect themselves? Oh, I was like, fuck. Oh, that's good. Right. So yeah. my goal is to have kids who don't need protection. Yeah. I love, I love that. My, my last question, then I'll, I'll shut up and let Tyler wrap mm. us up. Uh, and and self-admitted, you know, I spend a lot of time focused on my kids. I've got three boys. 
Um, mm-hmm. and I'm married and, and you've mentioned your wife and, and your three daughters. He's just training to not get beat up by his yeah, boys. That's right. So, I get it. Look, okay. that, that's what I don't have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I, I admittedly, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about my kids and what, you know, the principles and things I want to pass along to them. I admittedly do not spend enough time working on my marriage and making sure that is where mm-hmm. it needs to be. I'm curious for you, what are some things that you're actively working on to continue a healthy marriage for you? The first thing, and this would be a recommendation for you. You come first. So you got to be whole so that you can give as much as you can. Then comes your marriage. Then comes your kids. We can parent better than I can parent. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's a little bit different for me because I have girls mm-hmm. and you have boys. And for me, well, here's how I think you could look at it. How do you want to see your boys treat the women who they end up marrying if that's what happens right. when they get older? When you go to the high school booster club dinner and you see the girls' parents who know about your son, how do they want to talk? How do you want them to be talking about your boys? I believe that we have the opportunity as dads to treat our significant others, our wives, the worst that our kids would ever treat somebody else. Yeah. And so if I, if I can, if my daughters demand the people in their lives, treat them at least as well as their dad treats them, the treats their mom, we're good. Yeah. Right. And if, if, if your boys see you treating your wife in a way that they're like, that's how I got to treat the people in my life. Cause that's the relationship they're going to see most. Yeah. Then I think you're setting them up for more success than anything you could ever do to teach them how to treat people. That's awesome. Thank you for that. That's good. No, I love that. You're welcome. I'll give you, I'll give you some simple things that, that they'll make life easy for us. We have date night once a week. We don't miss it. Right. There's a babysitter. Our kids know we don't lie to them. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're just going to, we're going on date night so that mommy and daddy can have mommy and daddy time. Mm-hmm. You don't want us to be there tonight. No, no. <laughs> right. Um, there's that for us. There is, you know, if you ask mommy something and she says no, and you come to daddy, even if daddy thinks the answer should be yes, it's no. And then I'll go talk to mom in private about it. Yeah. Same page always. Same so, page. so those little things. And then, you know, if I, if my wife, if I can make my wife happier, more fulfilled and more confident on a day-to-day basis, I'll take that option, whatever it is, because my kids are going to see that, that that's valuable. Yeah. That's right on. Right on. Man, I love it. I don't really have anything to add, honestly. Like, I do feel like because either we talk for another three hours, which, <laughs> you know, we've only – we would have I've got surpassed the 120 tonight. minutes. Go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but – Honestly, I just, man, today was so valuable and it was very different than, than I anticipated. Um, you know, I thought we'd get more into some healthcare stuff and talking through that, but man, this is what, this is what I think both Ben and I needed this conversation, uh, just selfishly. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for just chatting with us and, and talking through, uh, your story, your mission, um, your purpose, your life. Um, because I think everybody that is listening to listening to this is better because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I want you to know you have a 
a fan in the one shot team and anything that we can do to help we are we are absolutely there um to to support you and support your mission so please you know let's make sure we stay stay in touch offline here um but man all the best uh to you and everything that you're doing with active life and uh man i'm excited to see where that goes because um got a good leader behind it and and the reason i think uh is a great leader is because you know that 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 leader can be better always too Mm -hmm. and so yeah a couple couple of my takeaways you know the the parenting and the the marital uh talk at the end there was great Uh, you you had a couple lines uh one of them was uh what was it you you have a god they have a god-given ability to be somebody you don't want to be yes i love that (laughs) That love that that was great and then the other one i liked was uh i may lose in the micro but i'm gonna win in the macro and mm-hmm. I think that's such a key reminder when you're in those times because I've been there uh, many times before when you're thinking, do I need to pivot? Do I need to quit? Do I need to keep going? I think that's a great reminder yeah. uh, during those times. So I appreciate you mm-hmm. for, for sharing those two things yeah. amongst everything else. So, again, how can if, – if we have listeners that want to find you, want to get some resources, where can where can we send them to? Easiest place to go is to just follow me on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Okay, I'm going to do that and right now. We're doing that right now. Do- okay, Dr. Sean Pastouche. Uh, that's it. They're in both places. <laughs> and the reason why that's the easiest is because everything else kind of, I, I tie it in. Okay. You know, you can find Active Life RX Instagram from there. You can find Active Life Professional Instagram from there. You can find our brick and mortar Active Life Long Beach from there. Uh, you can find everything we're working on from there. Love awesome. It. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, you just got two new subscribers. Two new followers. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Man, thank you so much for your time. We need to make a trip to – I've never been to Long Island. Well, I've been to New York City once, but – Yeah, I I feel like I've been there more in the last two years than I for sure have been in my entire life. Yeah, we did did a project in uh, Long Island City, so – Okay. Uh, um, but uh, but honestly, hey, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's going to be fun following you and and seeing all the impact that, uh, that you make. That's right. My pleasure. I, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. John. Appreciate you having you on.